Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Galit Speaks podcast. I am here with a guest that I am super, super excited for. Um, Her name is Jess Lynn. Jess is a licensed therapist, clinical social worker, and ethical non-monogamy relationship coach. After opening her previously monogamous relationship of six years, Jess quickly learned just how little information there was out there from professionals on how to navigate non-monogamy. Jess is passionate about helping others and taking steps to design and embrace the relationships, plural, <laughs> She shares her knowledge and personal stories through the lens of a trained clinician in hopes that others can reach relationship success. Hi, Jen. Hi. It's so weird to hear about yourself. Yeah. (laughs) I'm always like, when people read my bio, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, you're like, just smile and nod. (laughs) Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about how you got into this world and, and why you decided to open up your previously monogamous relationship. Yeah. So, um, I've told this story so many times now. Um, cause of course everyone's always interested, right? Like how did this happen? Um, so, uh, my husband and I did not talk about this prior to getting married. Uh, we were married. So yeah, we've been married. We'll be married six years this year. Um, but we were together, we were together about six years when I brought this up, married for like four. And, um, yeah, basically it was like during the pandemic. Uh, so we're like all glued to our phones, right? Cause there's like nothing else to do. And I just like started seeing, I don't know if it was like, I was somehow like tuning in more, paying more attention or just like more content was coming out. But basically I just kept seeing like all this stuff on like Instagram and Snapchat channels and all that about um, different forms of non-monogamy. And um, I was, I don't know. I think as like a having a background as a therapist, I think I was like, oh, this is super interesting. Like I've always thought like how people think and the way that we like form relationships or live our lives and whatever is interesting. And then the more that I read, I was like, um, we might have a problem. Like this might not be like an intellectual, purely like intellectual curiosity. Uh, And so then I started like thinking about like my relationships, even like going back to like middle school, high school and like through college before I met my husband and like what that looked like. Um, And I was what one, what people call a serial monogamist um, where there was one singular calendar year from the age of like, I don't know, 14, 15 until um, all the way up through me and my husband at like 22, one single year that I was single for the whole year. And it was like this big joke, like my friends, I told my friends, like, we should throw a party. It's my one year single, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was always in a relationship and um, not usually brief ones. They were usually like six months to a year. And so like, you know, for someone in middle school, that's a long time. Um, and uh, yeah, so I just always had been that way. Like I would move on quickly and people would be like, oh, did you not care about so-and-so? Cause like you're over him already. And I'm like, well, no, like, of course I'm not over him. Like I cared about him, That, but why does that mean that like, I like, there has to be, I don't know, there's this like weird, there has to be this like mourning period. You know, it almost reminds me of like, I watch a lot of um, like period dramas and stuff. And it reminds me of like, literally how like when your spouse died you're supposed to like wear black and not do anything social for like a set period of time and that was like so weird to me that like we couldn't just like why do you think that just because i'm in another relationship that i have i don't care about that person anymore so yeah anyway i i just started kind of realizing like shoot um and then eventually it got to the point where i brought up to my husband um he was uh surprised (laughs) Um, and uh yeah so we just you know i can go into whatever um but yeah we just kind of like had that first talk and then started talking from there about like why like why was i interested so specifically in polyamory which is like a subsector of non-monogamy um 
and like what was they looking to get out of it and was he interested what did he think he could, could gain from it and all that kind of good stuff so it happened like semi-organically um there wasn't like some big like big event or something that like brought this up um yeah but yeah that's kind of what happened um i was a little surprised also but you know <laughs> life is funny like that yeah can you explain the different um the different i guess for lack of a better word options for non-monogamy yeah. that there are yeah. So, okay. So non-monogamy is like an umbrella, right? So some people you also will use the word or the phrasing open relationship as an umbrella term like that. Some people though use open relationship as like a category under the umbrella. Um, so it's funny because, you know, this is what we know this societally about labels, right? Like labels can help us to understand something. And that doesn't mean that like, just because you say I'm in an open relationship doesn't necessarily mean that that looks exactly the same as every other person. Um, and of course the same can be said about, you know, like labels like queer or bi or all those things, right? It's the people creating what that means for them. Yeah. So generally when people say open relationship as like a sub sector of non-monogamy, they mean open, um, like sexually open, like they're allowed to have sexual experiences and connections with other, um, with other people. Um, so that's just one like caveat. So there's kind of the open relationship thing. Then another um, option, as you put it, that is kind of a little, a little more about sex than some others is swinging. So a lot of people are familiar with that. That's typically when couples um, like go to a house party or they meet another couple or they go to a club and they swap in some way, shape or form, swap partners. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that all couples only play together or that they don't play separately or all those things. But that's like the, I hate using the word traditional. None of this is traditional, but the <laughs> traditional form. Um, so there's those two. And then kind of the, the option, I like that. That's a good way to put it. The option um, around forming um, not just sexual relationships or potentially not sexual relationships, um, but like emotional connections, what we more think of as a relationship, right? Like um, where you may or may not call someone a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, partner, um, something like that. That's polyamory. So that's where I hang out. Um, so that's the idea that like we can create more than one meaningful, emotional, potentially romantic, potentially sexual connection with people um, at the same time. Yeah. And then there's also um, another subsection called relationship anarchy, which is basically um, the idea that uh, humans should like have full and complete independence um, in all of their relationships and that, you know, they should conduct themselves in a way that like fits best for them and doesn't require necessarily like certain kinds of check-ins with people. Um, no, no, like primary or secondary partners, hierarchy, that kind of thing. Um, so then there's like that. So there's like a bunch and it's a lot. Um, even as someone in the community, it's still a lot. Um, and then of course there's like subsectors under all of those right well. i was just gonna say because there are tons of oh, even yeah. just like under polyamory right there's yeah. tons of different types of polyamory yeah like from kitchen table where like yep. everybody is welcome around one table and knows each other and spends time with each other to like you know having them completely separate yep yeah yeah ktp is yeah very like that and then there's like this um, what, what it's called when it's like completely separate is parallel polyamory. Um, so that would be like my husband and I have our relationship together and then we have our relationships with other people, but those other people don't necessarily meet our spouse and, or our spouse's other partners. We don't necessarily like go to the same social events or like invite them to things. Um, and then there's also this like fun one in the middle-ish, I guess. Some people call it garden party polyamory. That 
I've never once been to a garden party. Um, so a lot of other people call it birthday party polyamory, where it's like um, people, they, they would be fine and cordial and friendly around, like if it was my birthday party, I would invite all of my partners and they would be in the same space, but they don't necessarily have like a direct friendship per se. Like they wouldn't like hang out on their own kind of thing. Right. So there's, and there's always more, they always add, you know, whatever, yeah, whatever because, works, you know, it, exactly. It's, we're dealing with people. And so yeah. there's no one size fits all solution. They're not even like one size fits many solutions. Nope, not at all. You know, like there's, there's so many different ways. And, and I think um, the biggest thing that I've learned with this is that it has to do with honesty and openness and comfort level. And um, I think the biggest thing with ethical non-monogamy is the ethical part. Yeah. <laughs> because a lot of people just hear that and think, oh, cheater. Yeah. Um, but that's not what it what it is. That is not what it's supposed to be, no. Um, yeah. I mean, and there's like these misconceptions, right? Like you said, like people hear like non-monogamy and they're like, oh, so you, you're just cheating. Um, and I'm like, well, um, no, that's called cheating. Like that is a different thing. Um, and so I think it's a couple things. It's one, there are like, there are toxic people who are polyamorous, just like there are people who are toxic or monogamous. Like, let's be real. There's, there's not great types of people practicing all kinds of relationship structures there's people in every spectrum of, of of relationships who are not being honest and saying that they are right so like yes is there some of that of course do people still cheat in polyamory absolutely um do people i mean the the horror stories and like the things you see like people will post like screenshots from dating apps and someone will be some guy will be like um, I'm, I'm Polly, but my wife doesn't know. No, <laughs> that's called cheating. Or perhaps if I give you the benefit of the doubt, perhaps you're saying you identify as polyamorous and you have not yet told your wife because you're afraid and you don't know how to come out to her. And you're just sharing that information, but you're not trying to like date the person that you're talking to. Right. Because if you are trying to date them, then that's just cheating. Right. Like, right. I'm all for, and I would think that if you're on a dating app, right, then exactly. you're trying to date people. Yes, that's very different from like, I don't know, just like if you're in like a Facebook group, I hang out in a lot of like non-monogamous Facebook groups. If you're in a Facebook group and you say like, I'm polyamorous, but my whomever partner doesn't know yet, then okay, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You're here to learn, right? And you don't know how to like talk to this person. And this is a big thing that I like do with my coaching is help people like figure out step by step how to bring up that conversation because it's terrifying. Uh, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. It's not a great color. Like when I, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's hard. Um, so yeah, but if you're on a dating app, then what are you doing? Right. Um, yeah. You're, you're looking to date people. And so at that point, we have to call it what it is. Yep. 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 So um, I know that one of the biggest things in these type of relationships and why most people say, oh, I could never do this. I know is, exactly what you're going to say. Yeah. Jealousy. Uh-huh. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that and yeah. how you deal with that. Yeah. Um, so that is probably like one of the top responses I keep saying, and I've said this now on several podcasts too, I'm going to make a bingo card of like people's typical responses to I'm not monogamous because this one is like so common. It's not even funny that I could never, I'd be jealous or don't you get jealous or how do you not get jealous? Um, that last one I think is funny because I'm like, I do like I'm a human, like it, we're not immune. Um, so like jealousy, I think we call a lot of things jealousy that may or may not be jealousy, but it doesn't really matter what it is. It's like the fact that you're feeling something. Right. And so when we talk about jealousy, what we're really talking about is like, you feel 
essentially left out of something, right? Like you feel like, um, let's say my husband, I always use this example, but let's say my husband like goes to this like new, awesome, cool restaurant that just opened and I wanted to go with him, but he takes a date there. And then he comes back and tells me, and I'm like, what the heck? Like, I wanted to go there with you. Now when we go there, like, it's not going to be as cool because you've already done this, right? You had this cool experience with her. That's telling me that I have a need that hasn't been met. In that case, like, maybe it's a need for, like, novelty, right? Like, something new and exciting. Or um, maybe that specific place that I wanted to go, right? And so it's really just cluing me into a need that I have, right? If I'm jealous of a partner that my husband has, what is that about? There's not nothing under that, right? Maybe I'm jealous of the amount of time he's spending with someone because I would like to spend more time with him. Maybe I'm jealous of a certain type of like affection, or maybe he's like sending her cards in the mail or buys her flowers or something like that. And I'm like, gee, I wish that you would buy me flowers sometime. And the thing is like, we were, I think we're taught societally to like shove that down. Like you feel jealous and you just push it down. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, it's so lovely that you bought your date flowers. I would really love to receive flowers at some point. Just letting, just like putting it out there. there. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with asking for a need that you have to be met. Um, so do I get jealous? Absolutely. Do my partners get jealous? Absolutely. Um, and most of the time we just talk about it. Sometimes like multiple of us together talk about it um, because it's a normal human emotion. Like it's really okay. Um, we don't need to like pretend like we don't feel this thing that everyone feels um, and is natural, you know? Yeah. So what are some of the other reasons that people say, oh, I could not be monogamous? Oh yeah. Like what else? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, jealousy is a huge one. Yeah. Um, I could never, jealousy is a big one. Um, what are other reasons people say that they couldn't? Um, time, which is a, I think that's probably the most valid. Um, not that none of, not everyone's feelings are valid. The most valid in terms of like factual things right. um, that are hard to work through. I think time management is a really hard one because you really have to be really intentional um, and like really plan out like, okay, this day I'm going to spend with this person, this day I'm going to, you know. Um, so, you know, when people say that to me, I'm like, I mean, yeah, like Google share calendar is my best friend. Like it's necessary. Um, so yeah, I think time is one. Um, I think people, I think to some extent, people are afraid to be seen as like deviant, right? Like there's something about this that's like, it's, it's obviously unconventional, right? right. At best. Um, and, and I find it interesting that like a lot of times, like, and I by no stretch of imagination would ever say like, oh, it's so easy for swingers, for example. I'm sure they get all kinds of, you know, uh, similar judgment. In fact, one of my partners came into non-monogamy through swinging first before polyamory. Um, but I think also, and, and I think also um, there's like this, okay, fine. Like everybody likes sex. You want to have sex with other people. You're in agreement. Okay, fine. But like feelings, we can't have that. You can't, you cannot do that. You must not love your husband or your partner. You must not want, I, I get that too. Sometimes like people will say like, well, I couldn't do that because I just really want to be committed to one person. Um, and if you're saying you really want to be committed to one person, emphasis on the one part, then absolutely you should be monogamous because that's what you want. If it's, I want to be committed to one person with the emphasis on the commitment, 
polyamory is not void of commitment by any stretch of the imagination. So yeah, I think people un understandably are afraid of like other people's reactions. Um, I think also people are afraid of like heartbreak, right? Like people will say to me like, but you did all the things, Jess. You found the guy, you dated, you got engaged, you bought a house, you got married, right? Like you did all the things. Why would you wanna put yourself back in that position where chances are you're gonna have breakups? Why would you wanna do that, right? So I think that's another reason that people um, maybe don't or say that they wouldn't be able to do it. Um, yeah. That kind of thing. So I'd like to hear about your brand of polyamory. like what you know what works for you yeah my own personal brand um <laughs> so yeah so when let's see it's evolved over time as we do we're supposed to change like that's how humans are built um be very boring if we like we'll just stay the same all the time um so for me and for us my husband and i started out um hierarchical um, meaning like we were going to hold our relationship above all others. If, uh, like say my husband, like just said, like, I'm having a really bad day. Um, and I had a date with someone, I would cancel that date and like go to him. Cause we, that's the structure. Um, we actually opened our relationship initially for me to explore my queerness, which I came into later in life. And so for the first like year-ish, I only dated women and um, femmes. And um, so that was like kind of how it was in the beginning, hierarchical in that way. Um, and the women I was dating were also for the most part like in a very hierarchical situation so it wasn't an issue like they they also all happened to be married to men as well and similar like dynamics uh and then i met my current partner we've been together uh it'll be a year officially in 11 days um and um yeah, so I met him and uh, that hierarchy stuff kind of like flew out the window uh, because I I felt very much about him from the beginning and I was very honest with my husband from the beginning. It felt very similar to how it felt when I started my relationship with my husband where like right away I knew um, first date with my husband, first date with my partner, like shit, this is like, going to be a big thing. Like this person is going to be a big, big part of my life. Um, that feeling that people describe as like finding the one or like knowing it's the one. Um, and I just happened to have found two of the ones. It's the two. I don't know. Um, so yeah, so we kind of talked about it and how I was feeling and I was terrified. Um, to, I mean, it's, it is quite literally the most terrifying thing probably I've ever done to tell my husband I've met this person that I think I could grow to love as much as I love you. What the hell are we supposed to do about that? Um, and so we do practice um, kitchen table polyamory at this point. Um, he, you know, I think after meeting my partner and like getting to know him and stuff, he was like, yeah, I get it. Like he loves you clearly. I see why you feel about him this similarly to me. Um, and so, yeah, we, uh, I mostly split my time, um, between the two of them, but we also like spend time, the three of us, we spend time, the three of us, like with our, my, our larger group of friends, like Memorial Day, we went, um, down to him for a brew fest. My husband and I went down with him and his friends, and then he came up to us and we went tubing with my college friends. Um, so we, you know, it's taken time to get there and for like everyone to like start to feel comfy and, and all that stuff. But um, at this point we are definitely very kitchen table-y um, on my side. My husband um, dates a little more casually just cause that's like what works for him. Though I have met um, women that he's dated and uh, that usually comes up like fairly early. Like, hey, would you ever be interested? And if they didn't want to meet me, that's absolutely fine. Um, that's not like a rule or anything. Um, 
but yeah, so I think on his side, at minimum, we're very like birthday party, Polly, like if he wanted to invite them to something with friends or or to go just go out and get drinks with him and I or him and I and my other partner, um, that'd be totally cool. So that's like where we're at now. Um, yeah, I hope that answers your yeah. question. Yeah, and I am curious, being um, a therapist and a social worker, um, did this have any effect on how you were viewed in that light? What a very good question. Um, Like, did my, like, do I think that, like, my clients or, like, professionally people? Yeah, yeah, your clients or your colleagues. Yeah. You know, like wh what happened there? Yeah, that's a really good question that no one's ever asked me. Um, so yes and no. So I, for reasons of my husband's job, I am not um, like, we're, we're not out in the sense that we like post on our social media about this, but we don't like hide, like everyone that's important in our lives knows most people have met other partners, etc. Um, family, for the most part, there's a select few people who don't know in, in each of our lives, but for the most part, we're out. We just don't like super advertise it on like social media. Um, and I don't like super advertise it like in my like private practice, social worky therapist side. Um, however, I do disclose to a lot of my clients um, just the way that I would disclose, um, you know, other, like if a client says, oh, like my parents were divorced and that really, you know, um, I feel like that really affected me. I'll often share like my parents are also divorced. I was about the same age as you, right? Um, so in like a clinically appropriate way, but I would say like, well over 50% of my clients know something about the fact that I'm non-monogamous because it's like come up organically in some kind of way like that. And for the most part, honestly, it's either like the normal things like the, wow, I'd be so jealous or like, oh, what, how does that work? That's really cool. Right. So for the most part, they've been great. Um, colleagues uh so now i own my own private practice so I, it's just me but before this um when i like came out and stuff uh for the most part yeah my colleagues were actually some of the most supportive people um around this i was very very lucky in that i have a couple of really close former colleagues i mean i still consider them my colleagues um and they were also very great um and I really appreciated that. I think, I mean, I do think there's something about being in a fairly liberal thinking field, right? Where um, people are kind of like, you do you, like, cool. Um, whereas, you know, if I was in a different industry, I definitely think, you know, things could be very different around that. But yeah, people have been great for the most part. Um, I even just went to a networking, uh, like local networking lunch sort of thing recently. And I wasn't going to say anything about like, so I have the two businesses, coaching and therapy are very different. It's important to be distinct. We don't ever like switch people over all that stuff. So I went to this like mental health providers, um, networking thing. So I wasn't going to say anything about my coaching business or having that niche um, because my therapy niche is very different in a lot of ways and also related, but I mostly do grief work um, and a lot with anxiety. So um, yeah, I wasn't going to say anything, but uh, the people were like so nice and we just got like talking about different things and um, I forget how it came up, but I eventually just said, you know, I'll just throw it out there in case like anyone has client because the reality is therapists get clients who are non-monogamous and sometimes they don't know what to do with that. Right. Yeah. Like they're like, I'm not judging them, but I also don't know what to do with that. So if that's like a big part of what they're coming to me for, like struggling with this part of their identity or not knowing like how to come out to family or whatever, I don't know what to do with that. So I just kind of said like, in, you know, while we're talking about populations, if anybody, you know, ever, I, 
I also have a separate business that I, you know, I, I coach non-monogamous folks. Um, but obviously I do have clients who come to me for mental health treatment and happen to also be non-monogamous. So like, just so you know, and everyone was like, so great. One of the people even like sent me an article after they emailed me and they're like, do you subscribe to this magazine? They had a thing on non-monogamy. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So for the most part, it's been great. Uh, but you know, there's haters everywhere. Um, yeah. And I think, I think you're right in that um, your specific field yeah. seems like it would be one where there's no, there's less judgment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and let's say somebody were trying to come out in a different field. Yeah. How do how do they approach that? Yeah. I mean, so like my um, one partner um, is a software um, engineer, software developer. So I will say this only because this is what he says. Um, when he eventually came out in the workplace, he came out because um, he's in a band and we were having like a, a band show at his house and he wanted to invite some of his coworkers. And at the time he had another partner as well. And so he was like, you're both going to be there. People are going to wonder what's going on if they see me kiss you and then go and kiss them. Like, so he just like invited everyone. And while he was inviting them was like, just so you know, like threw it up very cash. Like, just so you know, um, I know we don't really talk about this stuff, but I'm not monogamous. So I actually have two partners and they'll both be there. So just wanted you to like, not be surprised if like you wonder like what's going on or whatever. Um, and he didn't really get any like negative feedback. It's just more so like people were like, huh. And then went back to what they were doing. Right. Whereas in my field, it's very like, oh my gosh, let's talk about that. How do you feel? Da -da 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 -da. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think if people, the workplace, I'll say this, I haven't had this experience myself, but it is hard because technically there aren't legal protections for um, people in non-traditional relationships um, on the whole, like apart from um, a very specific place in Massachusetts. So um I have, I've not heard a lot of this, but I have heard some like horror stories of people who um, maybe are in some sort of relationship with someone at work or like work adjacent or like in another department or whatever, where like they're not breaking any rules of engagement of the workplace, but like it may become a little more obvious at some point. Uh, and I have heard people, um, you know, not necessarily getting fired, but like getting called in to talk about, right? Uh, and of course I have personal opinions about that, but, and whether we should do this and police people in this way anyway. But so, I mean, I definitely would say like, do be cognizant, right? First of all, if you are wanting to, to come out in your place of work, like I'm not saying don't do it because I would never tell someone to not be who they are and show up authentically in every space that they're in. And it's a very important word. I have it tattooed right here because I forget it a lot. And, and just be aware of like your surroundings and like how people react to things and stuff, right? Because what sucks is when you really want to show up authentically and then you do, and then something negative comes of it because then you're going to start making those like psychological associations, right? Of coming out and it being really negative. Um, but yeah, in terms of like what what I suggest, I mean, I really think, think about that stuff and then start with like one or two people who you feel closest with at work um, and and try to, you know, start that way. And, and if that's not you and if you're just like, I'm going to live out loud in my full color and all of that do it. Like I, I would never tell someone not to, I just know, I, I do know that people have had not great experiences just similarly to how queer people have had not good experiences. Right. Um, I would never tell someone not to come out as queer at work either. And I would, I just hate it when people like are so unkind. Um, yeah. because it just, it makes you not ever want to tell anyone, you know? Um, so work is a big one. 
Yeah. But the other big one is family, yeah. right? Because that, those are people who in most cases are very close to you and you want to share yeah. details of your life, but they're also the people who might judge you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, to be perfectly Frank, uh, I'm going through a little bit of that myself at the moment. Uh, for the most part, uh, my family and the people in my husband's family who do know have been great. Um, have been, I wouldn't say that they are like jumping up and down for joy um, in terms of like how some of my colleagues have responded in that way. But they've been on the whole very supportive, uh, very like, hey, like, not for me, but you do you. Like, we love you. You know, we just want you to be happy if this is what makes you happy, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and, you know, in the beginning, I would be lying if I said I didn't feel some kind of way that I didn't get this like jumping up and down like response. Um, but I think even in my own personal development over time, I've realized that like, that's not always a realistic expectation. Um, and that it's not like a, well, you should just be happy that they didn't blah, blah, blah. Right. I'm not saying that. I just think it's important to like reflect on like you're in, in exploring now monogamy yourself. It's a pressure cooker for growth and you are going to learn so much about yourself and do a lot of personal development and sometimes the people that you're talking to and your family may or may not be have done that kind of work on themselves right for all kinds of reasons and that's okay that's where they're at right and so like to me a big thing of being a social worker is like meeting people where they're at um and so on the whole i've been very grateful to my family um and my husband's as well and my partner's family who have you know, had questions and concerns, uh, but on the whole, like, just want us to be happy. Uh, so in terms of coming out to family, I mean, I think, again, in some ways, right, we're going to think about, like, who, who do you want to know? Is this, like, an everyone thing? Is this I want my siblings to know? Is it parents? Do we include grandparents? Like, who, like, what's important, right? Um and I think one thing that's important in coming out in general is to think about not to deter you, but just to be cognizant of how will you respond if the person does not respond with kindness? What are you going to do to take care of yourself? So whether that's like, a, am going to say this general amount of things and then see what they come at me with. And if they respond in this way, I'm going to stop there. Um, not because I'm trying to hide who I am, but because I'm not, I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm going to further hurt myself, you know? Um, so I think that it's important, not for that other person, but for you to think like, if they start to say X, Y, Z, or they react in some sort of like negative or like aggressive way. This is, these are my limits and my boundaries. This is what I'm willing to sit there and like take and meet them with. And these are the questions I'm willing to answer. And then these are the things like I'm not okay with because I'm not okay with that for me or my partners and I have talked and they don't want people to know X, Y, Z. Right. Um, and it's, it's okay to come out and then like it stay in this little bubble of like that's as much as I'm willing to share because of your reaction. And that doesn't mean that you didn't come out. That doesn't mean it means you're protecting yourself. Um, and that's it's hard. That's been really hard for me because I am very much like a live my life out loud in full color scream from the the rooftops kind of person um but i have learned over time that like you can do that and that's that is absolutely your right and your choice and you have to then figure out like what you're going to do with the energy that you get back um yeah. and how much is worth it to you you know to, yeah. to get back um and so, some people are not going to understand 
Yeah. They're just so cool. I want to know. So let's say you are in a position where you are starting to realize that, hey, I want to explore this. Mm-hmm. And you have a partner like you did at the time. Um, what's next? <laughs> yeah. Like, what the heck? Um, yeah. So I encourage people, like I said, and I, so I do have this, like a mini coaching program that I call the conversation compass because it's the conversation, right? And we, we want to like be, um, move in a certain way. Uh, so kind of like top things. I think one thing that's important again is like self-reflection before similar to coming out to family or work or other people you're essentially like coming out in a way to your partner, right? You're telling them at minimum, this is a thing that I may be interested in exploring. Not like I'm gonna do it no matter what you say, that's not nice, but like uh, this has become an important thing for me to tell you. So first, just like kind of thinking about, I, I try to encourage people to lead with their why instead of their what. So like their what would be like, I want to have a threesome or I want to have a boyfriend or I want to the like tangible thing, right? That's important. And we'll get there. The first thing though was like leading with your why, why is this important to you? Why does it feel important to share with your partner? What, like what has like developed within you that has come to the point where you're like, I need to share this with this person that I love. Right. Um, Because I think, you it's obvious that for the most part the person you're sharing this with is going to be like what like some some measure of the spectrum between like i never in my wildest dizziest daydreams expected you to say this right to huh that's about right but i didn't expect you to say that right i thought you were going to ask about this other thing right so somewhere on that spectrum is where your partner is going to fall right Um, and, and so I think getting clear about like your why before you do that will help because then instead of saying like, well, I want this, this, and this, right? Like I want to hit these bullet points or check these boxes or whatever. Instead you're sharing about you, like about who you are as a person, why this is interesting to you, why you think that you would benefit from this. Why, 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 instead of what you're like trying to get out of it. Um, so lots of self-reflection. And then I think the other really important thing is as much as we think this is a good idea, I've done this so many times with, with this and other things, it's not generally a great idea to surprise your partner with this conversation. Don't just like be driving and be like, so honey, I've been thinking that maybe I want to date and or have sex with other people. That's like, it's not going to go well. It feels like it might because we're like, I'm just going to like blurt it out and then like, you know, we'll just take it from there. Right. But, but that's going to catch your partner so off guard and you're probably not going to get a great response. So what I always encourage people to do is ask for a container, say to your partner, Hey, I've been thinking about a couple things that are important to me that I'd like to discuss with you. When might be a good time? I know you're busy. We're busy after work tonight, but maybe Friday or whatever, right? Like don't, don't try to spring it on someone because it's going to feel sprung on them no matter what you do. So we want to try to like lower that a little bit. Um, And also we don't have to, unless this is how it comes out, that's fine. We don't have to say like, hey, honey, there's this really big, important, scary thing I want to talk about. And we need to really need to sit down and like, this needs to be a big discussion. So when will we have time for that? Like, that's also going to scare the person that you're talking to, right? It's okay to just say, I've been thinking about some stuff that's important to me. I'd really like to share it with you. Like, it's okay to say I have a question because I feel like I am the type of person that I hear that it's like, you want to know talk now. Yeah. 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 Like, so what do you do if they say that? Yeah. Yeah. So if they say that, um, and I, I would feel the same way. It's like when your friend texts you like, Hey, can you call me later? And you're like, no, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) and then you like, wait for the dot, dot, dot syndrome to start. Yeah. So if you are, I mean, the first thing that you can do is if you feel like 
your partners may be that type of person, pick a, uh, a not terrible time to say that first thing, right? Like not maybe when you're running out the door in the morning, like maybe like, yeah, you had a plan that you were going to go out to dinner tonight or whatever, and you're not going to have this conversation in public, but like you theoretically could pivot if you really had to. So I would just say like, if you think your partner might at all be that person that we are, that's like, Mm -hmm. no, I need to know right now what's wrong. Are you leaving me? What's happening? Right. Um, then just, just pick a, an, an okay time to say that first part, like, you know, um, instead of like, uh, I call it doorknobbing it. Like when you're literally like exiting a conversation, you're like, by the way, we need to talk. Okay. Bye. Like, no, 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 no. Um, so yeah. And if they say that you can say something to the effect of like, I totally get it. Um, you know, we could talk about this now. I, I think it might be better at a different time, but like, how are you feeling? Like what's making you say that? Like what's coming up for you? And sometimes people will be okay with a, if they say like, well, are you breaking up with me? Or like, well, whatever. And you say, no, 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 no. That is not at all what I'm going to say. Sometimes people will be like, okay, yeah, we can talk tomorrow night. Like sometimes you'll get that kind of response. Sometimes people just need that like little piece of reassurance. Um, and sometimes not. Sometimes they'll be like, nope, like I am literally going to die of a panic attack if you don't tell me now. Um, in which case you can say, okay, I'm willing to do that now. Um, let's sit down, you know, and I'll tell you. Uh, and just so you know, like this is not a conversation we need to have all right now. I can just like give you the gist and then like we can decide what to do from there, whether it's like also plan to talk tomorrow after you've digested or whatever. Like this doesn't have to be like a, you know, 17 hour conversation where you talk about every single thing unless that works for you and you have 17 hours, then by all means go for it. (laughs) Also like drink some water in the middle there, Um, get a snack. But yeah, um, people, sometimes people say that that's, yeah, absolutely fair. I would probably. if it Yeah. Were. So once, okay, so now you've had the discussion, mm-hmm. your partner is open to exploring mm-hmm. it. How do you decide on the type of relationship that you're going to both be comfortable with? Yeah. Uh, so the answer to that is hard because it's difficult to know, right? Before you do anything. Um, So I think something I encourage people is like, kind of like, this is a weird analogy, but it's kind of like when you're like 17 or 18 and people are telling you, you need to figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life right now. And you're like, I'm a child. What? Um, And also my frontal lobe is not going to be dealt for another like six years. So like what? Um, It's okay to have an educated guess or a general like part of the spectrum or whatever. Like we do not need to be like, okay, we are going to do non-hierarchical, hierarchical kitchen table polyamory with, you know, right? Like we don't, it has taken me a while to get there. We don't have to do that right off the bat. Um, So I think in exploring the like, what does this mean, right? again, and this is why I encourage people to to lead with the why, is go back to your why. And then ideally your partner, if they are now open to this, is also going to have a why, right? A why that's beyond because you want to, right? Like, a okay, you want to, and, you know, I've never thought about it, but I could see myself blah, 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 right? So I think one of the, like, big kind of, like, swears, um, in like what kind of non-monogamy that you want to try for is the idea around feelings, emotional connection, right? Um, I, and this is something that you would talk about when it comes to what we call relationship agreements, um, which is basically like the, the items that we agree on as, um, I don't like the word rules, but like, that's the easiest thing to relate it to. Um, we agree that these are the things that we are trying to 
gain from this experience. And these are not things that we're trying to gain. Um, and so the one thing I would say, and I, I'll say this like cautionary piece here, um, it's very easy to want to make a relationship agreement if you are a person who's like, I think that this for me would be more of a sexual exploration thing. And I don't think I want right now to think about or entertain the idea of like relationships. It's very easy to want to say, okay, we're doing swinging or open relationship, what have you, friends with benefits. We're not doing this. We will not develop feelings for other people. And if we do, it has to be cut off immediately. It's very easy to want to make that agreement. And it usually feels good in the beginning because it feels like you are, you are prioritizing your partnership, right? And it doesn't usually end well because we cannot control our emotions. We can't control any emotions. If you, if people could just like sit there and be like, I don't want to be sad anymore and snap their fingers, I would not have a job as a therapist, right? Like people would just do that. Um, so does that mean that they're, that your partner is absolutely going to like fall deep in love with the first person that they have sex with? No, it doesn't. And I think like we need to also be realistic, right? So you can say, um, okay, we've reflected on this and like, I'm, we think that we mostly want to do like a more sexual exploration. Um, and we're not really looking to form relationships. Um, so that's not something we're interested in pursuing. And if one of us were to develop feelings, this is our plan. This is what we will do. We will be honest and upfront. We will sit down with our partner. We will talk openly about it without judgment. We will decide together what we should do, what we would like to do about that connection, now knowing that there's feelings or potentially feelings involved, right? I think it's just a little unrealistic and you're really just shooting yourself in the foot um, to say like, no one will have feelings. <laughs> and if we do, we'll just kick them to the curb, right? Like, yeah. And that might be what you ultimately decide. Like you might decide to end a connection because there's feelings and that's not what you want. And that's okay. That I think it's better to like, just intentionally go for what you're going for. And if something happens in an ancillary way, then talk about it then instead of, you know, like this, like, eh, kind of situation. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I want to do two things. One, be cognizant of time that we're coming up on about an hour. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I have another question, sure, which feeds off of what we were just talking about. So you've set boundaries. Um, someone breaks them. Mm. Now what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel so... like it's a much larger conversation. So if you want to say like. I'll give you a little snippet and then we have to do another. I mean, yeah, <laughs> totally down for that. So yeah. Okay. So we're saying we have our relationship agreements. We've agreed on the things, right? And then somebody breaks one. Um, huge conversation. I guess we'll have to do another one, which is just <laughs> so sad. Um, the, the, the mini piece I'll give you is, does that mean that you cannot continue move forward stay in this partnership etc no right because the reality is whether and we could be talking anything from like uh your partner like having a sexual relationship with someone without telling you which would still be considered cheating right even though this is not monogamy if you are in agreement that you're going to be honest and then you're not and you sleep with it, that's cheating, right? So it could be that, or it could be something smaller, theoretically, right? About like, you know, we said that we we had this um, agreement and you broke it because you didn't communicate about this thing, or you told me after the fact and we said this, or you didn't have this conversation about safer sex or whatever. 
the reality is in monogamous relationships, when someone goes as far as cheating, that doesn't always mean the relationship's over, right? Like you can choose to try to move forward in a healthy way. Um, and you can do that non-monogamy as well. Um, so I think like my little piece is like, what do you do is you come back to the relationship agreement conversation and you talk about like, what happened here? Tell me honestly, how did we get here? Like what happened that led you to sleep with someone else, to not have this conversation we agreed on to whatever the thing is that's happened. What happened going up to that? Not because like, we're going to just excuse it, but like, if we're really trying to do this, people make mistakes and we need to try if you want to repair the relationship, I think that can happen. You just have to be like impossibly honest, right? Like radical honesty is what I would call it. Um, and so again, yeah, it's kind of like returning back to your relationship agreements, figuring out like which one was not followed, trying to hear from them or you explaining to your partner what happened to lead you to that point. And then once you've kind of got that out there, examining is that still a relationship agreement that you both are in agreement about? Because if it's not, or it's become unrealistic, or you have different feelings, then let's talk about that, even if it means we have to pull back on things for a minute, so that we don't keep repeating the same thing, and I keep getting upset because you keep breaking an agreement that you don't think is feasible, right? Yeah. Let's let's talk about that instead of just keep you know, repeating. Yeah. So um, if people want to learn more or reach out to you, how do they do that? Yes. So uh, the social medias, um, I am, I have a private uh, Facebook group on, on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. On the book of face, I have a private group uh, called non-monogamous newbies. And then on Instagram, I'm at non-monogamous underscore newbies. Um, so you can find me there. The group is awesome. I, I mean, I'm biased, but I think um, I really am trying to like build a community where people can like learn from each other. There are a lot of newbies in that group. That's like my niche. Like that's where I'm trying to help the most people with coaching is like, I wish that there was someone to like kind of hold my hand a little bit through it in the beginning, whether that was like my conversation compass, which is like a four week thing um, of like how in the God's name, Odin's name, whoever, do I tell my partner this, right? So walking through step by step. Um, Or a, we've had this conversation, we're very new, we're agreeing that we want to try this, but we don't know what in the heck to do next. Um, That would be like my bigger like signature program, um, also called non-monogamous newbies. Um, and so that like I go through like establishing your why, types of non-monogamy, relationship agreements, conflict resolution, coming out, uh, forming a support network, um, dating, all that kind of stuff. Um, so if you find my group, non-monogamous newbies on Facebook, um, that's one great way. There's a lot of tons of free content in there. I go live every week, all that kind of stuff. Um, or on Instagram and DM me. And then I do have a website. It's a little baby website right now, but it will it will get more filled out. Um, it's my business name. So it's um, bothandcoaching.com, B-O-T-H-A-N-D, coaching.com. So that's another way you can contact me. You can email me through there and everything um, as well. That's awesome. So I, anyone that's thinking about non-monogamy or that is currently practicing non-monogamy, non-monogamy of any mm-hmm. option. Yeah. Reach out to you. And if you're watching this now or watching this on the replay, please make sure to share, subscribe, like, Get this to the person that needs to see it. If it's not you, it's probably someone in your circle. Um, So please make sure that they see this. And uh, yeah, thank you, Jen. You're very welcome. Yeah. Um, It was really awesome and amazing having you here. And I will, I would love to have you on. Absolutely. Love. Let's do a a follow-up and keep the conversation going. Yeah.
All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks everybody for watching. Bye.